0: Introduction in Chapters 1 and 2 of Beautiful Joe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Beautiful Joe, an autobiography by Marshall Sanders. Preface. Beautiful Joe is a real dog and beautiful joe is his real name he belonged during the first part of his life to a cruel master who mutilated him in the manner described in the story he was rescued from him and is now living in a happy home with pleasant surroundings and enjoys a wide local celebrity the character of laura is drawn from life and to the smallest detail is truthfully depicted The Morris family has its counterparts in real life, and nearly all of the incidents of the story are founded on fact. The author. End of preface. Introduction. The wonderfully successful book, entitled Black Beauty, came like a living voice out of the animal kingdom, but it spake for the horse and many other books necessary. It led the way. After the ready welcome that it received and the good it has accomplished and is doing, it followed naturally that someone should be inspired to write a book to interpret the life of a dog to the humane feeling of the world. Such a story we have in Beautiful Joe. The story speaks not for the dog alone, but for the whole animal kingdom. Through it we enter the animal world and are made to see as animals see and to feel as animals feel. The sympathetic sight of the author in this interpretation is ethically the strong feature of the book such books as this is one of the needs of our progressive system of education the day school the sunday school and all libraries for the young demand the influence that shall teach the reader how to live in sympathy with the animal world how to understand the languages of the creatures that we have long been accustomed to call dumb and the sign language of the lower orders of these dependent beings The church owes it to her mission to preach and to teach the enforcement of the bird's nest commandment, the principle recognized by Moses in the Hebrew world and echoed by Coper in English poetry and Burns in the meadow mouse and by our own Longfellow in songs of many keys. Kindness to the animal kingdom is the first or a first principle in the growth of true philanthropy, young lincoln once waded across a half-frozen river to rescue a dog and stopped in a walk with a statesman to put back a bird that had fallen out of its nest such a heart was trained to be the leader of men and to be crucified for a cause the conscience that runs to the call of an animal in distress is girding itself with power to do manly work in the world the story of beautiful joe awakens an intense interest and sustains it through a series of vivid incidents and episodes each of which is a lesson the story merits the widest circulation and the universal reading and response accorded to black beauty to circulate it is to do good to help the human heart as well as the creatures of quick feelings and simple language When, as one of the committee to examine the manuscripts offered for prizes to the Humane Society, I read the story, I felt the writer had a higher motive than to compete for a prize, that the story was a stream of sympathy that flowed from the heart, that it was genuine, that it only needed a publisher who should be able to command a wide influence to make its merits known, to give it a strong educational mission." I am pleased that the manuscript has found such a publisher, and am sure that the issue of the story will honor the publication society. In the development of the book, I believe that the humane cause has stood above any speculative thought or interest. The book comes because it is called for. The times demand it. I think the publishers have a right to ask for a little unselfish service on the part of the public in helping to give it a circulation commensurate with its opportunity, need, and influence. Hezekiah Butterworth End of Introduction Chapter 1. Only a Cur My name is Beautiful Joe, and I am a brown dog of medium size. I am not called Beautiful Joe, because I am a beauty. Mr. Morris, the clergyman, in whose family I have lived for the last twelve years, says that he thinks I must be called Beautiful Joe for the same reason his grandfather, down south, called a very ugly colored slave lad Cupid, and his mother Venus. I do not know what he means by that, but when he says it, people always look at me and smile, i know that i am not beautiful and i know that i am not a thoroughbred i am only a cur when my mistress went every year to register me and pay my tax and the man in the office asked what breed i was she said part fox terrier and part bull terrier but he always put me down a cur i don't think she liked having him call me a cur still i have heard her say that she preferred curs for they have more character than well-bred dogs Her father said that she liked ugly dogs for the same reason that a nobleman at the court of a certain king did, namely, that no one else would. I am an old dog now, and am writing, or rather getting a friend to write, the story of my life. I have seen my mistress laughing and crying over a little book that she says is a story of a horse's life, and sometimes she puts the book down close to my nose to let me see the pictures. I love my dear mistress. I can say no more than that. I love her better than anyone else in the world, and I think it will please her if I write the story of a dog's life. She loves dumb animals, and it always grieves her to see them treated cruelly. I have heard her say that if all the boys and girls in the world were to rise up and say that there should be no more cruelty to animals, they could put a stop to it perhaps it will help a little if i tell a story i am fond of boys and girls and though i have seen many cruel men and women i have seen few cruel children i think the more stories there are written about dumb animals the better it will be for us in telling my story i think i had better begin at the first and come right on to the end I was born in a stable, on the outskirts of a small town in Maine called Fairport. The first thing I remember was lying close to my mother and being very snug and warm. The next thing I remember was always being hungry. I had a number of brothers and sisters, six in all, and my mother never had enough milk for us. She was always half starved herself, so she could not feed us properly i am very unwilling to say much about my early life i have lived so long in a family where there is never a harsh word spoken and where no one thinks of ill-treating anybody or anything that it seems almost wrong even to think or speak of such a matter as hurting a poor dumb beast the man that owned my mother was a milkman He kept one horse and three cows, and he had a shaky old cart that he used to put his milk cans in. I don't think there can be a worse man in the world than that milkman. It makes me shudder now to think of him. His name was Jenkins, and I am glad to think that he is getting punished now for his cruelty to poor dumb animals and to human beings. If you think it is wrong that I am glad. You must remember that I am only a dog. The first notice that he took of me when I was a little puppy, just able to stagger about, was to give me a kick that sent me into a corner of the stable. He used to beat and starve my mother. I have seen him use his heavy whip to punish her till her body was covered with blood. When I got older, I asked her why she did not run away. She said she did not wish to, but I soon found out that the reason she did not run away was because she loved Jenkins. Cruel and savage as he was, she yet loved him, and I believe she would have laid down her life for him. Now that I am old, I know that there are more men in the world like Jenkins. They are not crazy. They are not drunkards. They simply seem to be possessed with a spirit of wickedness, there are well-to-do people yes and rich people who will treat animals and even little children with such terrible cruelty that one cannot even mention the things they are guilty of one reason for jenkins's cruelty was his idleness after he went his rounds in the morning with his milk cans he had nothing to do till late in the afternoon but take care of his stable and yard If he had kept them neat, and groomed his horse, and cleaned the cows, and dug up the garden, it would have taken up all his time. But he never tidied the place at all, till his yard and stable got so littered up with things he threw down, that he could not make his way about. His house and stable stood in the middle of a large field, and they were at some distance from the road. Passers-by could not see how untidy the place was occasionally a man came to look at the premises and see that they were in good order but jenkins always knew when to expect him and had things cleaned up a little i used to wish that some of the people that took milk from him would come and look at his cows in the spring and summer he drove them out to pasture But during the winter, they stood all the time in the dirty, dark stable, where the chinks in the wall were so big that the snow swept through almost in drifts. The ground was always muddy and wet. There was only one small window on the north side, where the sun only shone in for a short time in the afternoon. They were very unhappy cows, but they stood patiently and never complained, though sometimes, I know, they must have nearly frozen in the bitter winds that blew through the stable on winter nights. They were lean and poor and were never in good health. Besides being cold, they were fed on very poor. Jenkins used to come home nearly every afternoon with a great tub in the back of his cart that was full of what he called peelings it was kitchen stuff that he asked the cooks at the different houses where he delivered milk to save for him they threw rotten vegetables fruit parings, and scraps from the table into a tub and gave them to him at the end of a few days a sour nasty mess it always was and not fit to give any creature Sometimes, when he had not many peelings, he would go to town and get a load of decayed vegetables that the grocers were glad to have him take off their hands. This food, together with poor hay, made the cows give very poor milk, and Jenkins used to put some white powder in it to give it body, as he said. Once a very sad thing happened about the milk that no one knew about but Jenkins and his wife. She was a poor, unhappy creature, very frightened at her husband, and not daring to speak to him much. She was not a clean woman, and I never saw a worse-looking house than she kept. She used to do very queer things that I know now no housekeeper should do. I have seen her catch up the broom to pound potatoes in the pot." she pounded with the handle and the broom would fly up and down in the air dropping dust into the pot where the potatoes were. Her pan of soft mixed bread she often left uncovered in the kitchen and sometimes the hens walked in and sat in it. The children used to play in mud puddles about the door. It was the youngest of them that sickened with some kind of fever early in the spring before Jenkins began driving the cows out to pasture the child was very ill and mrs jenkins wanted to send for a doctor but her husband would not let her they made a bed in the kitchen close to the stove and mrs jenkins nursed the child as best she could she did all her work nearby and i saw her several times wiping the child's face with the cloth that she used for washing her milk pans nobody knew outside the family that the little girl was ill Jenkins had such a bad name that none of the neighbors would visit them By and by the child got well and a week or two later Jenkins came home with a quite frightened face and told his wife that the husband of one of his customers Was very ill with typhoid fever After a time the gentleman died and the cook told Jenkins that the doctor wondered how he could have taken the fever for there was not a case in town There was a widow left with three orphans, and they never knew that they had to blame a dirty, careless milkman for taking a kind husband and father from them. End of chapter 1 Only Occur Chapter 2 The Cruel Milkman I have said that Jenkins spent most of his days in idleness. He had to start out very early in the morning in order to supply his customers with milk for breakfast. Oh, how ugly he used to be when he came into the stable on cold winter mornings before the sun was up. He would hang his lantern on a hook and get out his milking stool, and if the cows did not step aside just to suit him, he would seize a broom or fork and beat them cruelly my mother and i slept on a heap of straw in the corner of the stable and when she heard his step in the morning she always roused me so that we could run outdoors as soon as he opened the stable door he always aimed a kick at us as we passed but my mother taught me how to dodge him after he finished milking he took the pails of milk up to the house for mrs jenkins to strain and put in the cans and he came back and harnessed his horse to the cart His horse was called Toby, and a poor, miserable, broken-down creature he was. He was weak in the knees, and weak in the back, and weak all over, and Jenkins had to beat him all the time to make him go. He had been a cab horse, and his mouth had been jerked and twisted and sawed at till one would think there could be no feeling left in it still i have seen him wince and curl up his lip when jenkins thrust in the frosty bit on a winter's morning poor old toby i used to lie on my straw sometimes and wonder he did not cry out with pain cold and half starved he always was in the winter time and often with raw sores on his body that jenkins would try to hide by putting bits of cloth under the harness But Toby never murmured, and he never tried to kick and bite, and he minded the least word from Jenkins, and if he swore at him. Toby would start back or step up quickly. He was so anxious to please him. After Jenkins put him in the cart and took in the cans, he set out on his rounds. My mother, whose name was Jess, always went with him. I used to ask her why she followed such a brute of a man and she would hang her head and say that sometimes she got a bone from the different houses they stopped at but that was not the whole reason she liked jenkins so much that she wanted to be with him i had not her sweet and patient disposition and i would not go with her i watched her out of sight and then ran up to the house to see if mrs jenkins had any scraps for me i nearly always got something for she pitied me and often gave me a kind word or look with the bits of food that she threw to me when jenkins come home i often coaxed mother to run about and see some of the neighbors dogs with me but she never would and i would not leave her so from morning to night we had to sneak about, keeping out of Jenkins' way as much as we could, and yet trying to keep him in sight. He always sauntered about with a pipe in his mouth, and his hands in his pockets, growling first at his wife and children, and then at his dumb creatures. I have not told what became of my brothers and sisters. One rainy day, when we were eight weeks old, Jenkins, "'followed by two or three of his ragged, dirty children, "'came into the stable and looked at us. "'Then he began to swear because we were so ugly "'and said if we had been good-looking, "'he might have sold some of us. "'Mother watched him anxiously "'and fearing some danger to her puppies, "'ran and jumped in the middle of us "'and looked pleadingly up at him. "'It only made him swear the more. "'He took one pup after another.' And right there, before his children and my poor distracted mother, put an end to their lives. Some of them he seized by the legs and knocked against the stalls till their brains were dashed out. Others he killed with a fork. It was very terrible. My mother ran up and down the stable, screaming with pain, and I lay weak and trembling and expecting every instant that my turn would come next i don't know why he spared me i was the only one left his children cried and he sent them out of the stable and went out himself mother picked up all the puppies and brought them to our nest in the straw and licked them and tried to bring them back to life but it was of no use they were quite dead we had them in our corner of the stable for some days till jenkins discovered them and swearing horribly at us he took his stable fork and threw them out in the yard and put some earth over them my mother never seemed the same after this she was weak and miserable and though she was only four years old she seemed like an old dog this was on account of the poor food she had been fed on She could not run after Jenkins, and she lay on our heap of straw, only turning over with her nose the scraps of food I brought her to eat. One day, she licked me gently, wagged her tail, and died. As I sat by her, feeling lonely and miserable, Jenkins came into the stable. I could not bear to look at him. He had killed my mother there she lay a little gaunt scarred creature starved and worried to death by him her mouth was half open her eyes were staring she would never again look kindly at me or curl up to me at night to keep me warm oh how i hated her murderer but i sat quietly even when he went up and turned her over with his foot to see if she was really dead I think he was a little sorry, for he turned scornfully toward me and said, She was worth two of you. Why didn't you go instead? Still, I kept quiet till he walked up to me and kicked at me. My heart was nearly broken, and I could stand no more. I flew at him and gave him a savage bite on the ankle. Oh, ho, he said, so you're going to be a little fighter, are you? "'I'll fix you for that.' "'His face was red and furious. "'He seized me by the back of the neck "'and carried me out to the yard "'where a log lay on the ground. "'Bill,' he called to one of his children, "'bring me the hatchet.' "'He laid my head on the log "'and pressed one hand on my struggling body. "'I was now a year old and a full-sized dog. "'There was a quick, dreadful pain.' and he had cut off my ear. Not in the way they cut puppy's ears, but close to my head, so close that he cut off some of the skin beyond it. Then he cut off the other ear, and turning me swiftly round, cut off my tail close to my body. Then he let me go and stood looking at me as I rolled on the ground and yelped in agony. He was in such a passion that he did not think that people passing by on the road might hear me. End of chapter 2, The Cruel Milkman